Listening to 107.5 FM. This is RTV Maastricht. Today is Wednesday, which means you are listening to Student Radio Maastricht, which means we bring you anything and everything from whatever is happening in this part of the world right now. It is Wednesday, the 19th of October, which is crazy if you ask me. But we have a very special treat for you. We have all of the way from 5,000 kilometers across our dear Atlantic Ocean, a musician, a visual artist, a great human and thinker, one of my oldest friends. All the way from Montreal, we have Ali Khoury. So today we will be chatting, we'll be playing some live music, we will be uh, talking about life and we'll just spend two hours together and we'll see what happens. So, um, hello Ali. Hi, how Hi. are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm great, I'm so happy to be here. We are, uh, there we go. Okay, now we are here, now we are here. So welcome to Maastricht, it's your third day here. It is, yes. Yes. And uh, how's the weather? The weather is great. <laughs> we spent the day today walking around uh, the city center. In the sunshine. In the sun. yes. Yeah. And um, you, can, uh, you can hear it in the air sometimes today, the crunchy leaves that are falling and the little swoosh swoosh as they come on the ground and everything. And we are so happy. But here we're, we're going to tell you guys a little story of life today something like this so we're here mostly talking about music and i've known you since we were eight yeah i think so something like that right yeah 2004 2004 the lord's year 2004 and um when i met you i remember we were both uh drawing a lot yes we were a lot of manga a lot of manga (laughs) (laughs) and Somehow both of us ended up as music makers, etc. makers, but how did your musical journey begin? Like, what's the earliest time that you can recall that you wanted to get your hands and your voice into some sounds? Well, my parents put me into piano when I was four, which I think was the biggest blessing because that piano, my piano skills have really made playing any other instrument so much easier. Mm. Um, and I, I definitely hated piano when I was a kid, when I was <laughs> little, um, but I was playing really mostly classical, and I think that's why. Um, but my dad, much like you, I think we had parents that were very musically inclined, um, so that really helped. My dad loves music, and he's also a musician, and he really, he was always playing music in the house, and that was, I was just like, oh, I love, I love this. We were listening to so many amazing artists, and. So he was really my foundation for... Uh, what were some of those early artists that you can remember from those days? Uh, definitely Stevie Wonder, Al Green. Um, what else? It was so varied, too, like a lot of U2, Coldplay. Um, I'm trying to think. What else would there be? A lot of R&B, a lot of mm, rock, too. Um, Led Zeppelin. Yeah, like it's really everything, honestly. <laughs> Hell yeah. And I know because of my experience that uh, your dad ended up making a living room band 
that ended up being like the formative years of both of us yeah. for any kind of band uh, experience. Um, and when you started playing guitar, that was started a bit before this, right? Yeah, I think I started playing when I was about 12 because my godfather was is an amazing guitarist and he's also an amazing musician. So on top of it, just not it wasn't just my dad, it was really my whole dad's my dad's whole family who who like got me into music as a kid. So so yeah, he had mm. taught me guitar. He bought me my first guitar for Christmas. Um, and then yeah, like a, sh a few years later, my dad had a little bit of a midlife crisis. <laughs> and instead of buying a Porsche, he bought a jam room in our <laughs> living room. And we bought drums, he got, uh, we already had the piano and the guitars, but he got a bass, he got a full sound system, which was insane. Oh yeah. And then he started a band that we all played in. <laughs> we all did, we were like 20 of us at some point. Yeah. And I remember when that jam room became a thing because uh, we used to jam in there ourselves way back in the day. And I remember uh, at this time you were thinking of starting your own band and you were looking for a bass player. <laughs> <laughs> and I was playing saxophone, but saxophone is not so useful for um, a jam space band like that at the time. And so you asked me, can you, can you play bass? Can you learn bass? <laughs> and then we began this little musical journey together that's taking us so many different places in this life. And we played, I mean, I played, we probably played like 50 shows together and you've probably done hundreds since so it's just really amazing to see where you've taken this over the past like 15 years Aww, thank you <laughs> yeah so um how how did it how did when did you know that you wanted to do your own project in music um i remember it's all a bit of a blur because this is now almost 10 years ago yeah but i definitely i had always wanted to start a band and you and I would play together and I was in music in high school. So I also had, you know, a lot of music in school and out of school. And I think there was a battle of the bands, a local battle of the bands in our hometown. Oh my gosh, right. <laughs> and that was the inspiration. And I was like, let's start a band. Oh, and at the same time, I had met our other musical collaborator at the time, Tiana, yes. our violin player. And we started performing and writing together. And then we, we also were like, hey, let's all start a band together. And then it was the three girls and we entered the Battle of the Bands, I think originally without a drummer. And then we found one of my mom's friend's son. Oh yeah, Charlie. Charlie, <laughs> he played drums. And so we played with him and then we played the Battle of the Bands. And yeah, and then it went from there. So it was the Battle of the Bands, that's true. I it completely forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't know, a Battle of the Bands is when a bunch of bands play uh, a show in a community and it's uh, and then some judges will vote and pick the best band. <laughs> <laughs> we were we were not the best band, were we? We were not. No. Although the second year we were We were people's choice. People's choice for best band. Yo. So that was pretty cool, yeah. <laughs> I, I actually, that one I remember. I don't remember. Well, the first one was in the gym. Yeah, it, it rained that day. It was supposed to be outdoors, so they put it in the gym and the sound was terrible. <laughs> yeah, it really was. It was so bad. It really was. I'll never forget there was another group playing and they were they were pretty cool. They had two bass players though. And imagine two bass players in a concrete room, if you're listening to this, concrete walls are really bouncy, so it's just these big whooshy whooshy sound waves turning into potato mush. <laughs> um, so I hope you've had better sound experiences Definitely. since then. <laughs>
Um, so in Montreal, we have a lot of different kinds of music scenes and a lot of different venues and all of that. But um, at this point, I feel like you, between you and I, we've probably played at most of them, except like the big bell center. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, but okay, let's take us back to 2016. <laughs> um, an album came out by this band that we were talking about, which is called The Daydreamers. And it's called All Through the Nights. And this was a point of time of kind of transition for the band because I kind of moved further away and we were all up in the air and stuff, but we had put some songs together and then had you had completed them with everybody else. And and some of them are still something I listen to today. And you also. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so we have a song called... Yeah, Deception. Yes, let's do that one. Let's do that. So this is uh, Deception by the Daydreamers, and this is like one of our earliest uh, kind of co-composition, co-collaborative um, songs, I would say. I remember all of us really kind of put this together yeah. together with, uh, like, you and Tiana really worked on the words together, and I remember me and Cedric played with this, like, rhythmic thing, mm -hmm. and then we all put that together. And uh, that's a nice thing to do in this world. So this is Deception by the Daydreamers and stay tuned for more coming up next. Meow. Take a hit and say it. 
So you just heard the song uh, Deception by the Daydreamers, and that was back in 2016. I think we recorded that in like 2015. Yeah, definitely. So for context, we were born in 1997, so we were like 17-ish yeah, then, 16, 17. 17, something like that. Yeah. Um, we hear our baby voices, our baby instrumental skills. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget when we recorded that in like some Beatles fetishists uh, recording studio. He was very kind. Yeah, totally. No shade, but <laughs> so while we were while we were listening to that song between us, we were talking about all sorts of things. But I wanted to talk about the guitar part because I remember when we were recording this solo, it was like kind of the first time you had a guitar solo in this context. And now you're like a total freaking rock star. <laughs> like you rock out hard now. Oh, <laughs> so you. like, um, I don't know, I'm, how do I turn this into a question? But um, like, do you remember the feeling of that day? And is it something that like took a long time for you to conquer or is doing these first few ones made it less scary or blah, blah? I do remember the feeling and I think I still feel it sometimes, even though Mood, I've yeah. definitely evolved so much just because like, I know we were just talking about this while the song was playing, but I'm, I don't consider myself necessarily a guitarist. Even though I play guitar, it's kind of more of a medium for me to write and to sing and to create. So, like, I don't think I fall under the typical guitarist stereotype. Uh, <laughs> Which, as your friend, I'm very happy with. Yeah, honestly, me too. <laughs> 
Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's always like it's very nerve wracking to for me. But then I've kind of found a rhythm, and I've learned what makes me comfortable and where I feel comfortable, at least when performing. Because it's one thing to kind of just go all out in jam spaces and practices, but then live sometimes it it doesn't feel like the right time. Like I'm worried I'll hit a wrong note or something. So. Mm-hmm. I'd love to talk about wrong notes because I make a lot of them, sometimes on purpose and sometimes completely by accident. But uh, now I I imagine if you make a wrong note, you just keep going, right? For sure, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I can give you two examples of that. One, I was just recording a new song, which I think we'll get into later. And towards the end of the song, when we we were doing one of the takes, I hit a wrong note quote unquote and it actually sounded so good it became the new note so sometimes (laughs) wrong notes can be really great and yeah and then in terms of solos with another new song that we'll hear again later uh, I always play wrong notes in this solo section (laughs) but that's kind of the vibe and I think yeah sometimes it's it's fun to make mistakes and to make wrong notes and doesn't necessarily sound bad It, it just sounds different and if I've learned anything sometimes right notes sound bad to me and so like mm. I don't know if there even is a right and a wrong note no it's all in- a lie exactly it's just <laughs> it's a construct uh tempered <laughs> tempered uh, notes are a construct like you know how yeah like all of our tunings are completely different than they were even a hundred years ago and especially um like two and three hundred years ago and especially in ancient times music sounded completely different because our idea of what was equal was different uh, with the so it's it it can't be wrong it's just uh, spicy yeah exactly <laughs> spicy <notes>. little flavor <laughs> I, I will always say like if you play the wrong note but you are are not, not flinching no one no one cares no one knows you know yeah unless they know the song maybe but that's their problem. Yeah, that's why you play the wrong notes on unreleased songs, and then there's no precedent, so no one can judge. Yes, there you go, exactly. So um, right now we're kind of investigating this uh, living room jam space energy, and uh, you've been in a lot of different uh, spaces that you've made your music in now, and I'm curious, like, what's your favorite kind of context to be to perform in because you've done really big stages and festivals and you've also done really intimate shows and like is there a particular concert that you were like that was my favorite uh environment or even like a studio you were at that is your favorite or a favorites uh um that's a tough question i think i could definitely answer venue wise uh there's a favorite show of mine then there's a favorite uh mood of mine so mm. and they all happened this year actually hey. um the first one was at Pitsy Compass in Montreal mm. we were playing with our friends Callahan and the Woodpile they were it was their album launch and this was crazy because I was wildly sick the week before the show like the week <laughs> leading up to the show and I didn't think we'd make it I really thought we were gonna have to cancel I was so stressed and it, it was like only the morning of the show that I felt decent amazing and it wasn't COVID I was testing I was testing um so we went on uh and I kid you not I I played my best performance ever (laughs) I was so wild on stage my Tiana our violinist dad literally was like he told me he's like it looked like you were having a seizure (laughs) I loved it so much and I was like 
oh my gosh, like that, it was so crazy. So that was really like a moment. Ever since then, I feel there was some sort of shift in my performance and it's just, it's it. And I've had many more performances after that that were like twice as good, three times as good, even more better, but I mean, much better. But it was just that first moment where it had it happened and mm. I flipped that switch and now I can't change it. You know? e. So that was a really special time. And then a month later, we played with, my favorite band from Montreal, Poe Lazarus. Mm. And we played in this weird venue in the basement of an apartment building in St. Henry in Montreal. It was called The Bog. Well, it is called The Bog. And funny enough, one of my now really good friends actually lives upstairs. And hey. we had met the night before the show. So that was pretty crazy. But that show, the venue is supposed to fit 100 people. But when you walk in, it it's the size of a closet. and. <laughs> I was like, where's the rest of the, where's the rest of the venue? Where's like, the rest of the closet? Yeah, <laughs> it's so small and it was packed. We'd sold out the show, cause again, only a hundred people and we were three bands and it was, it was so wild <laughs> and things like that are just uh, incomparable, I think. And it's, yes. it feels kind of like the home shows, the home, like living room shows, things like that where the venue's really small, like too small for the amount of people in there mm. and everyone's just going crazy. It's I'd much prefer that than like a larger venue with better sound with better everything, but that isn't necessarily packed and sweaty. Exactly. It's the sweat. It's really the sweat that makes the show. Oh yeah. Effective music is always sweaty. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> no matter what. Even if it's very chill music, someone's sweating. Yeah. <laughs> um so we've been wandering around Maastricht these past few days and one thing that we have been between us remarking about is how the Sphinx Quartier, the industrial kind of side of this river, um, is really similar actually to a whole part of Montreal because if you've never been to Montreal, which is our city, there's a whole part of it that used to be warehouses and factories and is kind of getting super gentrified but when it was like a bit more in between the <laughs> that it became really a cultural space for a lot of us and so we are kind of exploring right now ideas on how to put cultural spaces together and you are one of my favorite people who has these line of thoughts because you are not only a music maker you are making anything. <laughs> so in your words, um, can you name like some of the disciplines that you hold near and dear, just so people are aware of what you're also doing outside of this? Yeah, for sure. Aside from music, um, I paint. That's one of my main disciplines. I also dabble in textile arts mm -hmm. and video work as well. That's something I've been doing for many years. So yeah, I like to say multi-interdisciplinary artist, heading towards with goals of achieving transdisciplinary as my title. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, we were trying to figure this out <laughs> earlier yesterday. What is the difference between multidisciplinary and transdisciplinary? But it seems like multidisciplinary is doing the things in succession from each other, but transdisciplinary is that you're doing them really all at once from one vessel, right? Yeah, and unifying kind of. Like practice and exactly. like this stuff, yeah. Yeah. So if you are curious, if you like to doodle and you also like to whistle, you should try both at the same time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then you can become a transdisciplinarian. Now, we have um, all of your discography lined up here in front of us, and I'd kind of like to move on through time. So we started in, in 2016, where should we go next? Maybe we can go to 2019, to the second album. Sure. What's it called? 
It's called Forever Again. Yes. And the song would be, I would say, we could play on and on. Because yeah. that's a song that's still to this day, kind of like Deception, it still means so much in terms of the lyrics that I wrote. And I can kind of, like, I can find myself relating back to that time when I wrote it, even today. Mm. Um, and it's still also a song that we play regularly with the band when we play shows. Very sweet. And just for our listeners, so they can have something to listen to, what is it about those lyrics uh that is something that you're still thinking about. You don't have to be specific, by the way. It's it's really a song about um, like f- falling into a pattern and, and uh, kind of spinning in circles, essentially. Oh, wow. Put the title on and on. It's on like when things on. just go on over and over and over again and you can't really wrap your head around mm. anything else. That uh, sounds like how some of us end up in Maastricht. <laughs> <laughs> Friendly reminder, you're listening to 107.5 FM radio. This is RTV Maastricht with Student Radio Maastricht on Wednesdays. We have Ali Khoury here in the studio, and we're going to hear the song On and On from the 2019 album Forever Again. Yeah. <laughs>
Welcome back. You just heard the song On and On by the Daydreamers, and we have the lead human of that in soul, in space, human Ali Kour here in the studio. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi. <laughs> so that was 2019. You slash we were 21 then. Yeah. And we were remarking on how the voices have changed since the 2016 to the 2019 you grew up a little bit. Yes, I did. My oh. voice got a little deeper. <laughs> <laughs> you hit your uh, you hit your third wave puberty shit. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> something like it. And um, yeah, we were talking. You were saying how, but now your voice has changed again. And yeah, um, that first line in the song "On and On" it's it's quite high, and I've noticed that I kind of have to sing it a bit differently now to kind of. Make it still sound good. <laughs> <laughs> totally. It's just a, maybe a little raspier, I guess, now too, which is we like that. Yeah, it's it's pretty fun actually. <laughs> Can you like do you like growl when you sing? Not yet. <laughs> Something. Yeah. I don't know how to. I don't know how. People yeah, do that. Our, our 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 last bass player Lou, mm. which is I guess a whole other story that we yeah. get into. Uh, as the evolution of the band, but and bass players. <laughs> yeah, he, the evolution of the bass players. Yeah, he recently had a dream. That I sang one of our songs like Miley Cyrus, and then uh, yeah, which was yeah. pretty crazy. Like like really, it was we. I totally rockified this kind of folk rock, well indie folk song. Mm -hmm. And ever since he told me that, I was kind of like, oh, that's a bit of a goal for me now. <laughs> it's so great that you say that because I didn't want to impose that, but I was actually thinking of her when we were talking about the voice changing, because she's somebody that we did see also grow grow through her voice and artistry and blah blah. And, uh, and I was like, oh, and yeah, you, you totally could pull that off, that, that uh, thing. Like I, everyone has seen uh, her cover of Heart of Glass and yes. like that whole thing. And I was, I was like, wow, okay, yeah, down. <laughs> it's funny because I, I really do feel like evolution wise, you know, I started out like that kind of that we were children when it happened, just like she was funny enough. And then yeah. Now, even some of the, th the ways she sings, I've taken note in a way, or not noted, but I've noticed how, oh, that's also how my voice evolved. And I also sing some of those lower notes, like a little more rough, like she does. And I was like, oh, mm, this, is, yeah. this is a pretty nice comparison. It's so nice to have a vocal role model. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't even realize she was a vocal role model. Like, I didn't put two and two together until this conversation, but. We love when that happens. I do, we do. <laughs> Um, so that was 2019, and okay, if you go on Bandcamp and you search, uh, sorry, if you go on Spotify and you search the Daydreamers with a space, by the way, um, you'll see tons of beautiful cover art, and especially these um, most recent ones, they all have like a really unified uh, thing, and it's because you painted all of them, <laughs> but I just love this um, worldly, otherworldliness, and if there is one uh, that's specific enough to talk about is like the relationship between your visual world and your auditory world. Yeah, can you describe how that works for you as your own sensory experience? Yeah, for sure. Um, they were always really separated, um, but during the pandemic, it was kind of interesting because I was now doing everything in the same room. So I was painting mm. I was studying painting in, at Concordia in, in Montreal, and I was painting at home in my music room where I practice and where I write. And I did really feel there was sort of a convergence between the two and oftentimes, or at least one influenced the other um, in the sense that I think my paintings became a little bit 
more maybe melodic mm. and my uh, writing music was maybe a bit more visual or a bit more abstract, which is how I sort of like to paint. Um, yeah, so there was definitely mm. a, a, like a influence on both sides. Mm. Um, Are you somebody who experiences any tinges of synesthesia, which is when, if you're listening and you don't know, it's when you, you one kind of sensory input, so for example, the most common experience for some people is you hear music and you see colors. Uh, do you have any of that? Or Not really. Me neither. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and I've always been curious about that. Uh, I think, yeah, no. I yeah. couldn't. Uh, um, so when you experience sound, how is that? It's, sorry, it's so ephemeral, but how is that for you? Like, is it a, like, do you see it in, or do you feel it in space or do you feel it more as uh, more of its textural content? I'm just throwing out ways, but your experience is yours you know yeah um it's it's kind of a hard question to answer because i feel that it really varies depending mm. on the type of sound the type of music yeah. or uh, like I, i'm trying to think of an example but nothing's coming yeah, to my yeah. head at this moment but i definitely just i feel that music has an effect on me that could be visual that could be so many other things um Yeah, it's it's really hard to to explain. I think the the sensation that I feel when listening to music. It's something that yes. it's a feeling, but I, I could not tell you what that feeling is. No, yeah, there's no words for it. A exactly. Lot of the time. Exactly. <laughs> That's why we make music. Yeah, and art in general too. I think a lot mm. of the art I make is I don't not always know what it's about. Mm. And even this is like my songwriting process. And my painting process, and that's why I say sometimes my songwriting process feels kind of abstract because mm. I I know I'm writing about something, but I couldn't tell you what it is in words, even though I'm writing in words. Like it's mm. it's a feeling that I'm writing about, or it's multiple feelings that kind of collide in my head and in my brain. But I it's it's something that I really have to sit down after writing a song and be like, okay. What was like? How can I explain what this was about? And mm. I have to kind of almost dissect my own words, and and try and like refigure out mm. what I'm writing about. And I used to be a bit insecure about that because I didn't feel like my songs or my writing was like super coherent, maybe to the average listener. Mm. But then as I've grown really more into abstraction in all forms of art, I've kind of accepted that I like that my songs might be a little bit abstract sometimes, because maybe it it leads to different impressions, different ideas and I think that's okay like I don't think it has to be black and white this is what it's about you know? totally uh, earlier today we were talking you were explaining to me oh yeah a lot of my songs now they have a verse and then it just goes kind of <laughs> <laughs> which I love because I actually also uh, have a lot of songs that like they don't repeat mm -hmm. and I've had um, some people tell me No, but you need to repeat that information again, and I ask them why. <laughs> uh, but is that something that uh, you're finding in many songs now, or is that just that particular one, and this abstraction takes many forms, or you're finding a certain pattern in abstraction right now? Uh, it's. I think I'm creating a pattern of the out of the anti-pattern, which <laughs> maybe defeats the whole purpose. But definitely during the pandemic, I really tried to get a not tried to get as experimental as, as possible, but I was not playing shows, which allowed me to just create whatever I wanted to. Mm. 
And at first I was really, uh, like I, I could not write, I couldn't do anything. And to kind of break through that, I was doing nothing with what I was doing, right? So I was, I was just doing random things that made no sense. <laughs> and then random things started to feel really good. And we I kind love of, random. Yeah, we love random and I got a groove. And also it would help that I was actively making art and through my degree too, I really explored so many new mediums and so many new ideas. And it's my goal with my music is not to be like necessarily like an average pop like a singer. I don't want to be the top 40 artist, even though I know that's like stupid because I'm not going to make a lot of money. But I've come to accept that and I've come to realize that what would make me happy is to make music that feels like art and that can fit in that art world, which I'm something is something I'm very in right now. So not mm. mainstream, not... Uh, but some of my like non-commercial yeah non-commercial in like every way possible but <laughs> un like also I have so much experience making more commercial music that that's yeah. always going to be a part of my music making so sometimes something might feel commercial in in sound and things like that or or at least more mainstream but I try and combat that I guess naturally not not just out of spite but <laughs> more naturally with like different different uh rhythms, different patterns, different, just things that feel different and not like the generic songs mm. that. Searching for otherness. Exactly, searching for otherness, searching for abstraction, searching for, in some some form. Mm. So. You are my soul sister in many ways, but we are home in the, the amorphous paradox shit. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Yeah, it's really nice. Uh, where should we go next in this sonic universe? So maybe if we're going chrono chronologically, we can go with yeah. the last song we released as a band yeah. um, called Only a Kid, yeah. which is kind of, you know, every year or every period of my life, I feel is marked by one song that I've written. Mm. So we kind of played the songs. Uh, maybe from the first album, there was a few different ones, but second album was on and on. And though this wasn't part of an album, it's this song, Only a Kid, that really has a big marking in my life. Great, so this was in 2022, it came out very recently. Yeah, it came out in June, yeah. uh, and we wrote, well, I wrote it actually just before the pandemic, and uh, we recorded it during the pandemic. Great, so this is Only a Kid from the Daydreamers, 2022 by the way daydreamers has a space and by the way you're listening to 107.5 rtv maastricht and student radio maastricht with ali Khoury in the studio so stay tuned and we'll be right back after this Question a thousand times 
Hey, that was Only a Kid by the Daydreamers, and it is their most recent release as a band that no longer exists, question mark? Question mark. <laughs> so there's actually a music video for this song. Yes. Written, produced, directed, and starring yours truly, yes. Ali Khoury. <laughs> and um, so uh, in the video, you're playing by the water and also on the water and water, 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 etc. But uh, I actually don't, I've seen the video, but I don't know anything about why. <laughs> so uh, why? Yes. Okay. So <laughs> the song is really about... Mm, Again, you know, my whole thing about not being able to describe things that I work hours on, but uh, <laughs> it's about um, sort of be, like telling yourself it's okay to make mistakes, it's okay to not be perfect all the time, and that it's all part of growing up. I still consider myself a kid in every, in every way. Mm-hmm. And so it was kind of initially written as a letter or as a, as a, a letter from my future self to my present self saying hey it's okay i know you're you're not your best right now you're not doing great but mm. it's okay it's all part of your growth and it will lead you to where you need to be and not to worry about it mm. and so for the video um i really wanted to kind of play on that older me talking to younger me yeah and so i had my little cousin mia who's <laughs> so close to me and who's almost like a little sister to me because I've watched her grow. I've been there for every part of her life. I remember and you would babysit her when we yeah, were like 14 or something. She's my little monkey. She's Aww. she's the cutest, one of the cutest kids ever. I'm really lucky because there's so many cute kids in my family. Aww. So she's actually my cousin's daughter. Um, and and yeah, so and she's also, she's fantastic and she's she... I feel will be one day a great actress or a dancer or whatever she chooses to be because she has such a beautiful, radiant personality. So I asked her to be little me, mm-hmm. mini me, and we went to her grandfather's cottage, which is like a remote cottage on its own little island, and he's my uncle. Um, and we filmed there for the day with our moms. We're both there too. Aww. And it was really a whole family affair. So that's also why this video is so special to me. And we did that all last summer, and then throughout the year, I was editing the video. And yeah, it's this song is uh, very dynamically different with mm. like the with that instrumental outro and and with like kind of the softer uh, like verses and chorus. And so I really wanted to play on that in the in the video. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was super <laughs> nice. I. It's funny because I watched it and I I didn't know it was Mia, you know, but I'm like, oh yeah, Mini Ali, like that far. But I didn't know it was, oh my gosh, of course, (laughs) but of course it was her. That's so sweet. That's so deeply sweet. (laughs) And uh, so you're playing on the water and you're like switching between her and you and, but her is you and all of this. I love that you are transcending. the linear perception of time. Mm, thank you. <laughs> Something we like to do here on the radio. <laughs> we love that. We love transcending time. You know, we do our best. So, uh, what with this water situation, we had a okay. We got kind of drunk last night, <laughs> but earlier when we were only tipsy, <laughs> we started just like going crazy because. Where we are from is a island in the middle of a really big river. In French, it actually has a different name. It's called a fleuve. And that's like a name for a big, massive river. 
And guys, you know what is also a fleuve is the mass that runs through Maastricht. And so we were talking about water and blah, blah, and people and how it brings people, humans around that space for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. It transcends um, any kind of um, shift of power. The fact that people have been there by the water is just a fact. It's the truth. And so I was wondering for you in your life, I um, you've always grown up. I remember your house, your childhood home is not so far from the Saint Louis, the Saint Laurent, the fleuve that we are from. Is that? And I remember we would walk by it and everything. Is the water something that was always close to you, or something you had to find? Or it's definitely. I f I feel I'm. Not necessarily at my best, but I feel most at home in when I'm near water. And I grew up always swimming, which is another, mm -hmm. you know, form of, of relaxation for me too. Even though I'm not the best swimmer, when I'm in water, your mom is my mom is the best swimmer. <laughs> she has, uh, yeah, world records and national records, and yeah, she's amazing, and she taught me so much. And I think she really passed that down to me. That kind of comfortability in water and mm. serenity in water mm. um I, when i'm underwater i kind of lose all sense of everything and it's one of the greatest feelings ever and water has always had a big influence in my mm. life i remember one of the first paintings i did was of water and i always loved painting water and even though it's kind of boring to look at in a painting no. it's <laughs> it's just sometimes and this is something i've always felt sometimes art that is realistic or that is trying to capture something real just fails to capture the moment. But you mm. paint it because you want to capture that moment, not necessarily like the vision, but the moment and the feeling. And that's something that you can't capture. You have to just feel it. Yeah. And that's to me is water. So. And on, I'm looking at the album covers mm -hmm. of your discography here and for Set Me on Fire, yes. there's a person coming out of water, but it's also like bleeding red. And it's red and blue kind of uh, bouncing off of each other. Um, yeah, just for our listeners, you can go find that on mm -hmm. the Spotify's, etc. Um, yeah, and so then we found ourselves earlier yesterday in a more appropriately, um, <laughs> in a more appropriate manner at the Ons Lieve Vrouwe Church, which is called Mary Star of the Sea, and it's a particular kind of Marian thing that happens near bodies of water because um, sailors would come in from their long travels and then these churches, it's not only in the Netherlands, it's also in where my parents are from, which is on the water and all these places. And so there's something special there and you are clearly tuning into it. You are also a water sign, aren't you? I am a water sign. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that about you. Aww. Yeah. And um yeah i don't know we're from a land that holds the name of canada mm -hmm. which in an indigenous language means big village but actually our um the borders of the country we live in is has like 80 percent of the world's fresh water so that makes me nervous and <laughs> about how they treat it sometimes and how they will um yeah tangent but yeah no. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's scary to think about. Actually, on a side note, because you referenced Set Me on Fire, we did write that song about kind of our fears 
well, we didn't realize at the time, but then we did realize afterwards it was really relating to climate change and just mm. climate anxiety, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's why when I when we had finished the song, all I saw was like dark red water and dark sky and, and uh, kind of fear in water and fear in land. Mm. And that's kind of what inspired the painting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's I really I really love that one. And it, it's, um, you know, like half of our country was burning last year and and i'm sure the water really looked like that yeah from from those perspectives um and then you have this very brave human there who's taking a bath in it (laughs) yeah (laughs) all alone with the mountains Mm -hmm. oh um hey fun fact and you know how here in maastricht saint peter is a mountain but it's like really not a mountain we also have one in montreal it's called mount royal and they're about the same size there's no caves under Mount Royal that I know of. No, I don't think so. Maybe the mafia, but you know. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so you know, um, what we like to do here on Student Radio Maastricht is we take people's international uh, lives and we all somehow end up here for a visit or for some time. And what is it that brings us all to this strange little place today? So you are listening to RTV Maastricht. It is 107.5 FM. It's almost uh, 19 o'clock. Should we play out on Set Me on Fire? Why not? Yeah, sure. Yeah, because we were talking about it. And then uh, we'll go to a quick break, and when we come back, we'll have more for you. So stay tuned, be a person, do a thing, meow. Shadow grow, fall into my knees. 
Hey, we're back. Hello. Oh, wait. There we go. Hello. Hey. <laughs> so, this is welcome to the second hour of Student Radio Maastricht, where none of us are even students anymore. <laughs> But we are students of life. Yes. Oh, yes. Always. Aiming towards transdisciplinarianism. Yes. And we have a special treat for you. So, we are going to play a song for you later. Yeah. So stay tuned. If you like what you've been hearing, tune in every Wednesday. We're here from 6 to 8 o'clock in the after evening. And uh, you can also find our archives on SoundCloud at Student Radio Maastricht. For example, I forgot to turn on the radio one week. You can go listen to that. You can also hear us talk to student associations like Free Palestine Maastricht and some other great people that are here in the city doing great things. So, <sighs> big breath. So, we're going to talk about the new wave. Yes. Yes. I remember we were driving. You were driving me. I had a five-hour layover in Montreal, and you picked me up, and we went to get ice cream, and then you drove me back to the airport. <laughs> and you were telling me, I'm, I think I'm doing a solo thing now. And so, that, is that the wave? Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy because I spent nine years of my life deeply devoted to this band and uh, put all of my energy into this one thing. And then over the last, well, since the pandemic, really so many things have changed with the band and good things too, because, you know, we've all grown. As I said, we started this in high school and just as individuals, everyone has grown so much. And I'm so proud mm -hmm. of everyone that I've had the pleasure to play with and to be in a band with. Mm. And it's wonderful to see, but then it's also sad. In a way, it's bittersweet, really. But yeah, this summer was a big turning point for us. And we decided collectively that the best idea moving forward would be that I kind of take on the things we had been writing, which uh, because of the pandemic, we were alone. I, I'd written pretty much everything. Of course, my band heavily collaborated with me. Mm -hmm. um, But yes, yeah, so moving forward, I would take these songs and continue this journey, like in a in a new project that is ultimately solo, uh, ideally solo with the band, but <laughs> less pressure on other people and really something I can do on my own time and in my really yeah at my own pace and for myself because I think I was feeling a little bit of burnout mm. after yeah that's nine years. Yeah, and I mean after, yeah you were you were going hard. Yeah. Like the whole time. <laughs> yeah, it was nonstop and, and it was a lot. And it was also really dependent on five people as well. So yeah. it was at times hard to control and hard to manage and which is normal. It's 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 really like a job and it's yeah, you know, totally. it's not something you, you think, Oh, I'm starting a band and it's gonna be my career. It's gonna <laughs> be a job. But it ends up being a job and something that you're not often paid for either. So that yeah. makes it, you know, the stakes are even higher. Totally. And yeah. Cool. So it's it's like a, 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 a it was mutual. It was mutual, and yeah. it was I was so I'm so blessed to have these amazing musicians and these amazing people that I call my family and yeah. who have believed in everything I've done and who were so supportive about this idea. Um, and yeah, that that was it was a really special conversation that we had all together. And mm. yeah. Oh, that's so sweet, though. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And uh, what is it about being able to work solo that's uh, very exciting right now? So after I had that kind of extreme depressed phase, uh, I went into kind of like a blissful phase because I was like, 
oh, wow, actually, you know, all my fears of I'm starting over again and everything really kind of disappeared. And I realized, well, no, it's I've still built this massive repertoire of shows, of networks, of, of friends, of totally. gigs, of, of music and of life experiences that will still help lift this project, this new project. Um, so I'm mostly just excited because I'm also someone who loves new things, <laughs> loves starting new and starting new projects and everything. So yeah, it's still in, in early development phase, which is also exciting because I feel A, no precedent, B, the court is really, it, it's, it's completely open. I can mm. essentially do whatever I want. Um, so that, yeah, that definitely excites me a lot. That is exciting. <laughs> I'm so, as your friend, uh, just curious and hungry to hear <laughs> and see uh, what place it will take, especially since this uh, light switch kind of moment that we were talking about in the first hour mm -hmm. where you kind of activated crazy mode and you can't go back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm just so excited to experience that. I hope I get to see you live, you know, like when I'm home at some point. And yeah. So we have some songs loaded up here on the video one. Yes. There's two songs? There's two songs, yeah. yes. Um, um, we can just play them back to back, I guess. Yeah, sure. Yeah. But can you... Um, yeah, please tell us about them. I, yeah, <laughs> so at this time, I'm also going through the band, it's, I, I guess, is going through a bit of a transition, transitory phase where we've still got some gigs. We still have loose ends, essentially, to tie up. Mm. Um, and this is a live session recording of these two new songs that will be on my new project, but that this is the the version of the songs that was written with the daydreamers so mm. this was kind of our last performance or our last recording of all five of us because the day after our keyboardist moved to japan wow. <laughs> so yeah this is a pretty special day for us and wow. i feel this will be the last time that these songs will ever sound like this because already in the studio you know we're changing so many things mm. and i'm kind of grateful we have this because especially for the second song the first song maybe it doesn't change so much but the second song is really was like that developmental song for us. It was that song that pushed us to this next level of rock and of experimentation, and or at least for me. And mm. so I love that this version is somewhere, and then the new version on this <laughs> recording will be somewhere else, and it will be. I mean, sorry, on the album, and it will be completely different. So amazing. Yeah, this is this is quite special to me. And what are these two songs called? So the first one is called "Lost in Your Head," and the second one is "Can't Stop Thinking About It." Cool. So, my dear radio friends, you are listening to 107.5 FM on RTV Maastricht for Student Radio Maastricht. And we have Ali Khoury here with two songs we're going to hear live recorded. Um, the first one's called Lost in My Head. And Lost the, in Your Head. Lost, so no, tell me, say it again. Lost in Your Head. Lost in Your Head. And the second one is... Can't Stop Thinking About It. Can't Stop Thinking About It. So get lost in your head and if you can't stop thinking about it, you should go look her up. <laughs> Enjoy. Yeah. Spin so much time to 
The song you just just heard was called Can't Stop Thinking About It, and the one before that is called Lost in Your Head. And fun fact, they're unreleased tracks. Yeah. And that was a live recording. Yes. Yeah, a live session. If you don't know what a live session is, it's when they're doing the thing and that's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> and it was caught on tape. <laughs> yeah, basically. It was uh, also... Uh, and nobody could see it except for me, but it accompanied. Uh, it was accompanied with a video, like a, a shot of you guys, and uh, Ali's head banging and reaching down to play with her pedals and shit. <laughs> we love it. <laughs> um, so that's the new. That's the beginning of the new wave. This is like the transition. Exactly. And if you've been listening since the first hour, we've heard baby sixteen-year-old voice all the way. Now you are a mid-twenties woman mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah your voice has gotten a lot fuller and deeper and majestic Aww. we're saying a uh, mode deus activi <laughs> god tier <laughs> um and i and of course it's also starting to introduce the shades of experimentalism that you're talking about but still with the <laughs> i keep hitting my mic today <laughs> but still with the old gang you know yeah. with all those guys and um yeah, so when you were recording this, it was for a... Sh- was is it, is it a festival or is it just a... Uh, yeah, it yeah. was for a festival in New York City. So we were just in New York, actually, uh, last week for this festival. And there was a virtual component, which is why we filmed this uh, this live session. So that was aired on the Monday night and then on... Or sorry, on the Tuesday night. And then on the Wednesday night, we performed live in New York with a completely different band, actually, only the drummer and I. <laughs> And then two other people accompanying us. Uh, Amazing. Yeah. Live from New York, it's Thursday night or Tuesday night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and was that your first time performing in the US? Or yeah. Crazy? First time performing outside of Canada, actually. Hey. So, yeah, that was. And now we're about to perform in Mystic, but this. Haha. Fucking nice. And uh, when you were putting this video together, you said you were trying to make it really like a live performance. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we really wanted to, we wanted it to feel like a live performance. And of course, uh, the videographer was amazing with her stage direction. And then we kind of just had to put it all out there while performing. And it was a lot of fun. It was special, like I said, because it was our last time together as yeah. a full band. So. And was it one takes or did you do a few? And like, what was the? It was how quick. The, how was that day? <laughs> it was quick because it was. Uh, we had about three hours to do the three songs, wow, and yeah. that included the setup and everything. So, wow. I'd say we we probably took about you know fifteen minutes a song, pretty much. Did maybe <laughs> two to three takes, and we'd either usually pick the first take or the last take, Such as it always is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the middle's always garbage. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> um, and the space you were in, it's your friend's... Uh, tell me about it. Yeah, it's a, it's a place called Sudwest Recording Service in Montreal. It's in uh, a little neighborhood called Villemar, which is right next to the neighborhood I live in called Verdun, which, fun fact, <laughs> Verdun was actually named one of the best neighborhoods in the world two years in a row by Time Out magazine. And this year, the street that I live on, the street that is the most wonderful street in Montreal called Wellington, was also named the best street in the world, the number one best street in the world by Time Out magazine. So you got good real estate. I got good real estate. And it's, it's I think, you know, Julia and I, we've been having this conversation while we were here about mm. Montreal is small, 
And, yet and so is Maastricht. And so is Maastricht. Montreal and Maastricht are very similar in so many ways as we've learned, or as I've learned at least. I know Julia already knew that, but. I'm still learning. Yeah. <laughs> but um, something that's kind of interesting about Montreal is there's so many different pockets of Montreal, so many different neighborhoods that really have their own community, they have their own story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there's this kind of area called the Sudwest, which is where all these little neighborhoods that I'm now mentioning are a part of this, which means like Southwest in French, I'm assuming. Sud-Ost. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, and um, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's honestly become my favorite area. And I've, I've met so many amazing artists in this neighborhood mm. and we've kind of formed a bit of a community. And... My friends have also formed a musical community at this Sudwest recording service where they also have a little record label. Mm. And it's really an amazing group of artists, uh, sound recording uh, engineers, and uh, so many different amazing people that have created this beautiful space. So I was so fortunate to have played a show with some of them in August. And then end of August, uh, we went over to record these this live session. Super nice. It's, it's great when community leads to functional spaces you can use to do the thing. Absolutely. A really nice thing. For sure. We were over at the Musiquiterai last night, and we also went to Lumiere, just trying to see how um, here people are using these big empty spaces and what they've turned into. Also on one side of the fence where these are spaces that have had uh, funding and support. And then we also have our dear and beloved LBB uh, here, which uh, isn't funded, but is, or maybe it is, I don't know, <laughs> but is more like less um, institutionalized, let's say. And I think you are looking for, we were talking about this, you are looking for something that's kind of neither of those things, but still self-sustainable, right? Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Uh, that's kind of a long-term goal for me is to open my own space, a multidisciplinary space, ideally in Montreal, ideally, ideally in like ultra ideally in the Verdun. Sudwest area in Verdun. <laughs> um, as I feel the one thing that Verdun may be missing is a little bit more of a cultural space. And, mm. uh, growing up, well, I mean, my studies in art history and in communications and in fine arts and my experiences just, there's a lot of, things I see about institutions and cultural institutions and both profit and nonprofit. Uh, I see flaws, but I, like, I see beautiful things and then I also see so many flaws and there's so many things that I wish I could change about these mm. uh, environments. And I want to create a space one day that really, you know, uh, showcases, can still be sustainable mm. while, um, being pure in what it showcases and in its values and welcoming, opening, uh, and really uh, kind of an educational space to, to showcase like to everyone uh, all forms of art in all of its beauty and hopefully mm. a space for um, collaboration too where artists of all mediums would be able to collaborate together and would be able to show together and where there's no precedent for what we can and we cannot show. and. It's challenged, uh, like we're saying, to kind of find this balance between profit and nonprofit and yeah. institutional uh, government funding versus, you know, being self-funded and how these uh, how these processes and how these business models can can uh, can work. It's amazing, and I know if anybody is capable of this, you are. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and um, 
Shall we play them a song? Yeah, let's play a song. Cool. So what song are we playing? So uh, on the spirit of unreleased, this is unreleased, unrecorded, hey. has only ever been played by me alone. And so I'm really happy to be playing it with my soul sister, my <laughs> longest, bestest friend, Julia. Meow. Meow, 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 meow. <laughs> and what's it called, this song? It's potentially called Miscommunicating. I like it. We'll see when it comes out. We'll see when I get hit hit the studio, you know. <laughs> Here, give me just give me a little strum strummy strum so yeah. I can do it. Is it sounding a little uh yeah. sounding okay? Yeah, it sounds we got it. And then right. I'm gonna For context, Julia lent me her beautiful little guitar. <laughs> um, fun fact, I have not played acoustic. Well, that's not true. I haven't played a show acoustically in so long. Yeah. So this is kind of, it's fun to be playing an acoustic guitar um, for the first time in a while. Hell yeah. I'm glad you get to play. Yeah, I'm, I'm just glad I get to play with you. So. Aw, <laughs> we're cute. Okay, yeah. on you va. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. 
<laughs> Hello again. Hello. Hey, that was fun. That was really fun. Aww. <laughs> we have little claps in the studio audience. <laughs> wait, wait. I can do us better. I can do it better. Wait. Freesound. <laughs> dot org. <laughs> Applause. Wait. I didn't type. Sorry. This is just completely necessary. And. Uh, there we go. Uh, <laughs> hey, by the way, if you're listening and you like Wednesdays and you like weird stuff on the radio, you can come be part of our studio audience. We've had a few little beans come by in this lifetime, and it's pretty nice. You get to hear the behind the scenes and see how all this mess happens, so feel free. And so we are here. Wait. Aww. Nice background music. Aww. Hello. So that song we just played, how did that one come about? <laughs> Where were you? Where was I? Hmm. Uh, I was at home. Mm. <laughs> uh, I think a lot of the stuff I write about is, um, well, my own ang- anxieties, really, and my own kind of everything I hate about myself, really. Oh, <laughs> I know, I know. It's, uh, <laughs> but it's like there's something about me that is always I've always hated, and it's. Like, sometimes my communication is great. Other times I just feel like uh, I can't communicate about anything. Um, and Words uh, are dumb. Words are dumb. Words are hard. <laughs> and even though I, I, I read a lot, I, uh, I do a lot of things with words. Words are in my life all the time. I still often can't find the words to describe anything. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, I mean, music helps with a lot of that for me. Like, not being able to communicate verbally I can sometimes communicate musically or at least I can express myself in certain ways musically Mm. Um, but yeah that song is really all about my miscommunication Uh, cool yeah and and how it's just yeah it's not not maybe caused a lot of problems for me but how it's just been like a really big factor in my life it's cool that you are honest (laughs) about it I mean ironically we've been talking about music We've been talking about all of this the whole time, and you've been completely good, so... Oh, thank you. Please don't worry too much. <laughs> Thanks. But of course, it's uh, it's okay to talk about your created, like, past tense work versus what is happening exactly in the moment. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. For sure, yeah. And I'm actually surprised I was able to answer your question about that song. <laughs> hey, nice. And I feel like I'm definitely missing things that it's about, but... But they heard the song. So. They heard the song, yeah. And yeah. sometimes, that's another thing where... People ask me what the song's about, and mm. because you know, I often don't fully understand what my music is about. It's I don't even necessarily like answering it because I feel like, oh, yeah. I said that, but I wish I had said something else, or oh, but it's just yeah, it's, yeah. it's often that it's rare that a song I write is about just one thing. Really, it's it's usually about a culmination of things that have led me to feel maybe in a a common way, and, and that's, yeah, like it's more thematic than specific. Yeah, yeah, yeah ex- exactly. But that's also nice because I would imagine you can reach more people with a broader brush, you know? That's what I do hope. 
Nice. <laughs> if the people hear the song, <laughs> if, it, if it actually gets to the people. Yeah, totally. I mean, this thing you describe um, that you used, the very harsh word that you hate about yourself, but the, like, and I think many people struggle with finding the right words or even just being able to pull them out of their throat in the first place. At least you've done that much. <laughs> and I also, we actually talk about this, I mean, you wouldn't know because it's your first time here, but we actually talk a lot about this here on this radio little segment because a lot of our friends here are, like, I have English as a first language, but and English is often how we are communicating here, but that's not always the case for everyone um, that I meet here. And it creates different dynamics and sometimes, like, some spicy misunderstanding and also complete silly absurdity and it's really taught me how you know i me i love to use language but the way i use it here is completely different than i was when i was living in a more anglophone environment mm -hmm. um so words are dumb that comes from my dear friend uh mackenzie actually ah. who, you know who's a writer wow <laughs> so we're allowed to yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe mackenzie is more allowed to than we are allowed to but <laughs> it's okay um you know, I was I was wondering, do you ever see yourself making uh, wordless music? I think I love writing still, even though words are dumb. Cool, yeah. No, <laughs> but I, it's hard I, to. I love that. <laughs> yeah, like it's hard to, uh, for me at least, to write a song that's without words because a, a big part of my my songwriting process or my composition process is based on some sort of idea that comes from words or that comes from thought and mm -hmm. idea, ideation, I guess, in my head. Mm -hmm. And um, sometimes I think about those things musically, but sometimes I also think about them in words and then I try and translate that into music. Mm -hmm. So I definitely, I feel, have been become more comfortable with longer instrumental sections or in some ways maybe having instrumentals like as between songs, but... Mm -hmm. It hasn't come as easy as easy to me as having words. Mm. So. Hey. With, in due time, maybe. We'll see. <laughs> in due time. Time is due. Time is due. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you have something else we can listen to? Or we've kind of played everything. <laughs> we did kind of play the highlights. We played the highlights. What's Celesta here? Oh, that is a song that Steph actually wrote. Oh, cool. Uh, our keyboardist. And fun fact, I did not paint that uh, album cover. Tiana, our violinist, actually painted that one. No way! Yeah. Her and I kind of came up with a concept for yeah. it together, but she painted that one, so that was kind of nice. Actually, that makes sense because the textures are completely different. Yeah, yeah, she painted with acrylic and I painted with oils, too, which is... What's the difference? Okay, tell me. <laughs> this is, Okay, this is what we can... <laughs> yeah, of course, yeah. Um, well, oils uh, dry... Well, I mean, they dry a lot slower, mm. so it's a lot easier to... Um, like work with them in my opinion because I mean and some people will say it's a lot easier to work with acrylics mm. uh, if you like to add layers and layers and layers on top of each other well I mean that's also a process in oil but it, it, it creates a different so you can like go over something very mm. quickly with with acrylic whereas with oil you can really sit with the work and you can move the paint around and you can do so uh, much because yeah, okay. the paint takes so long to dry that's something that I really appreciate about cool. it um, so it's more, um, it's almost like more compositional time you have. Yeah, that's cool. And like a bit more malleable as a mm. as a as a medium, I guess too, in that yeah. sense. 
at least I find. I mean, you might talk to an acrylic painter who'll be like, oil is garbage, like, it's so hard to use, it takes forever to dry. Yeah. But those are all the things that I love about, about it. Yeah, um, of course. I'm a really mm. slow painter, mm. and I'm someone who like really sits there and will maybe not paint for 25 minutes and just look wow. uh, or switch over to my guitar for a bit while looking at the painting kind of <laughs> whatever and then go back that's a little bit of a undiagnosed ADHD that I have oh that's uh, so cool though is that what's been happening now that your arts and music studio are in the same room definitely yeah, yeah. It's really hard for me to focus on one thing, especially when I have mm. deadlines. That's when it's the hardest. So <laughs> when I was in my painting, doing my degree, and I had to finish a painting for the next morning, oh my god, I'd be playing guitar and writing songs, <laughs> and then kind of taking a bit of time to paint and then going back. So yeah, it's uh, prior to the pandemic, I had I had a painting studio. I had a studio just for that. So I really mm. had to focus a lot more. But now I. Yeah, it's it's very hard for me to focus. <laughs> it happens. Yeah, I also feel you because uh, I don't paint. I move so like moving movement stuff, and then my saxophone, and also my guitar is very distracting to me. Like I have days where I can't play saxophone unless I play like thirty minutes of like shitty guitar covers. <laughs> <laughs> so it's part of the process. Is that not a transdisciplinarian process? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> So it's it's perceived as flaw, but actually it's progress. <laughs> it really is. I think any form of creation is progress. Yeah. Like whether you're dabbling in cooking, even it's mm. it's an art form, and mm. that can translate into your your main medium or your main practice. And yeah, I think they everything every discipline every creative form can influence your your practice in some sort of way and can help you grow as an artist. Absolutely. Mm, meow. Meow. Wait, I'm gonna play a sound and then we're gonna refresh our brains. Okay. Ready? Yeah. <laughs> Hello, we're back. Meow. Meow. Meow? Meow. Woof. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> So, um, how's your Dutch? Uh, terrible. Ausgeblieft. <laughs> what is the word that I learned earlier? Uh, Where were we? Paint. Was paint in the? Oh, I forget. Wait, wait. I can. It was. It was it with a V? Yeah. Vord? No. Mm -hmm. Verf. Verf. Yeah. Yes. That's my new favorite word. There we go. Verf. We were in action, yes. And I saw verf, and I was like, "Ooh, verf!" It's and pain. I kept saying verf. Yeah, verf. It. it almost sounds uh, like woof, like a dog. Yeah. Yeah, not bad. It could be um, ver is worms. Verf. Yeah. Is ver worm. is also green. Oh yeah. The the paint color. <laughs> the paint color. It's all connected. <laughs> I love the color green. Me too. Aww. That was your favorite color growing up, wasn't it? I think so. It's still, I would say, my favorite color. I don't like to pick favorites, yeah. you know me, but <laughs> if I had to, which I have to do sometimes, it, it would be green. <laughs> do you have a favorite color? <laughs> you were a purple kid, weren't you? I was a purple and yeah. pink kid. Yeah. Uh, I think blue. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it often changes. Green for a while. 
Amazing. It depends on the context, I think. You've been wearing a lot of browns. I do love brown. I really love it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah brown, brown and black. I feel it's just it's a, vibe. a duo. It's like you can't mess with brown and black. No, you cannot. Yeah. Didn't it used to be a thing of like you know like old school like fashion rules like don't wear blue and black or don't wear brown and black yeah or was that just with leather um i'm not sure actually i don't know but i do find like (laughs) at first i think there was kind of a pushback or first in recent years there was Mm. pushback again like you kind of people were against brown and black together but you know me i like to go against the flow so (laughs) go against the grain yes I, I hit i hit the brown and black and i haven't gone back since yes it's my um, favorite color combo i love it because it's like it's like earth and rock yeah yeah which is kind of the music vibe yeah it feels with a bit of water of course oh yeah sure. but you're wearing some freshwater pearl i am stuff so that's yes. water yeah <laughs> definitely yeah i got all the every outfit has to have a little bit of water a little bit of earth a little bit of rock that's amazing and then a little bit of roll for the rock oh, and roll. <laughs> I like it. Um, okay. Well, I think we've done our job here today. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for joining us here. It was really a pleasure to, I mean, I know you, but it was such a pleasure to just hear you talk from a purely... Uh, creative perspective Mm -hmm. it was really nice so thank you for sharing with us today thank you so much for having me it's been so special staying at your house and (laughs) living with you and making music with you and walking around with you and going on air with you and talking to you (laughs) with microphones yeah we're not so far away anymore yeah well my dears of the radio I wish you a very lovely Wednesday, I sincerely do, and please tune in next week, we have no idea what will be happening, because we never do, and otherwise, in sound and space, on behalf of Student Radio Maastricht and maybe Ali Khoury, <laughs> long live the weather, how is it, you be you, do the thing, make a thing, be a person, by yourself or with some friends it'll be okay and on that I'm gonna say goodbye bye 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 au revoir salut ciao dooey Okay. <laughs> we'll see how the go- how this goes. <laughs>